Hi, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we strive to live life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast to help you plug in at Quest both in person and online. Now, let's dive into this week's teaching. Um, I was recently having a conversation just a couple weeks ago with uh, one of our young mo- mothers in the uh, congregation, and uh, she was talking to me about how, how excited she is about some of the stuff we're doing in the forward initiatives. And uh, she was saying, in particular, the biggest thing she feels like she needs as a young mother is she needs these 5- and 10-minute and 15-minute like little resources that can set up important conversations with her kids. And that's one of the things we're working on in the forward. In fact, uh, last week I had a really exciting meeting. We had two tech people that I met with who that's their job, that's their entire life is to do what we're going to try to do there about building the back end so we can begin to deliver that to you in the palm of your hand. So when you're out in the car sometime or you just want to grow on your own or you want to have a conversation with a friend maybe uh, or, or with your your children. You can pull out your iPhone and uh, pull up something that's really going to be interesting and thought-provoking and set up a great conversation. So we're uh, months and months away from being able to start to deliver that, but we started last week and I'm so thankful. In fact, uh, we need one more person with expertise on the team. So I'm just going to say it. If you and your business are an SEO specialist, and if you know what that is, then you know what I'm talking about. We need an SEO specialist to join that technical team to help us. So if you're here and have that ability, I'd love to have you join us in helping make that happen. So we started this year, as Manny said, with a series called Refresh. And our whole purpose with this was to set up a topic, a series that we could deal with some various topics that we think if, if we can do some of these things and just kind of revisit these things in our lives and, and refocus that we can have a really great year this year. Today we finish our series with part two of Refresh Your Friendships. And in today's message, we're going to define really kind of what a healthy group of friends looks like. And we're going to do that by looking at two scriptural ideas that oftentimes create tension. And, and sometimes people look at these two ideas and they, they think, well, they disagree with each other. So how in the world are we supposed to live through this? Our theme for today's message is real simple, probably a phrase that you've used, maybe you've heard. It's this, show me your friends and I will show you your future, right? If you show me your five closest friends, my guess is you will probably be somewhere in the middle of them in many ways. For instance, If you drank too much last night, then you probably have two or three of your friends who also drank too much last night, right? If you're a person who you read a lot and you push yourself a lot to grow as a leader in your business, then probably two or three of your friends that are closest to you do that same thing as well. If you're a person who's kind of consistently struggling with sarcasm and pessimism and being a little critical about life, then I'll bet two or three of your closest friends probably struggle with that as well. If you're passionate about growing and knowing, and knowing God and, and your relationship with him, then you've got two or three friends who are also passionate. And if you are living in debt, driven to buy nice things, but living beyond your means because you're so driven to buy those nice things, then you probably have two or three friends that are probably out there shopping and buying too many nice things and living beyond their means and accruing debt as well. If you show me your friends, I will show you your future. And King Solomon actually affirms this in Proverbs 13. He says it this way, walk with the wise and become wise. For a a companion of fools suffers harm. 
And when I look back at my life, my friends, during all the positive and negative times of my life, this is so true. I mean, uh, there's been a number of times where I've headed on a negative trajectory and had to reevaluate this, but the longest negative trajectory was my middle school all the way through early high school time period in my life. And I did a lot of things during that time period that I regret, that I hurt a lot of people, I was selfish, I used people. And the reason I did it was because my friends, my closest friends were doing that, and I wanted to be liked by them. Isn't it true that our friends influence us? And I can also look at some of the more positive times in my life when I took big leaps forward in my growth, when uh, as a person or, or success in relationships or life or ministry, and I can directly trace those times to my closest friendships, spurring me on, believing in me for good or even great things that I didn't think were possible. One of the most profound gifts I've ever received in my life was when I went to college, I was one of four freshmen on an upperclassman floor at a Christian college, and I didn't know any better, and none of us knew any better. So the RA, uh, as we got there for freshman orientation, got all four of us together and looked at us and said, you have to do what I'm going to tell you right now. You have no choice. And we were new, and we didn't realize we probably had a choice, so we just did it, right? And uh, he said, you're going to meet together weekly. You're going to study the Bible. You're going to apply it to your lives. You're going to pray for each other. You're going to talk to each other about where you're struggling and where you're growing. You're going to be accountable to each other to grow as leaders because I expect you all to be leaders. Well, I was just a guy from Keister, Minnesota at that point with a, a sense that God wanted me to minister vocationally, but my vision for what that looked like was quite paltry. It really, in my belief of what God could do through me. And yet God put me in this group of guys who were serious about life and serious about growing to become people of influence and leaders in whatever setting they were going to be in. And and the closest friend from that group uh, still today in the 55-plus year history of that college is still listed as the top leader who ever went through that place. In fact, it's really fun. My two oldest kids and my son and daughter decided to go to that same college. And when I get to go back, I get to talk to the leaders on their floors. And all the leaders know Ted. They know my college roommate's name because they still talk about him in every leadership training they do with their leaders to this day. Another one of them went on to be the, one of the top salespeople in his profession. Another one is uh, by some considered the top brain researcher and surgeon in his particular brain study field today. Something changed in me because those guys believed in me more than I believed in myself. See, the central question we're dealing with today for all of us and refreshing our friendships is this. Am I hanging with the right people? Do I have the right mix of friendships in my life right now? And so as we talk about this message today, I want you to think about every area of your life and think about your five closest friends. And and think about this. If you want to be married or you want to have a good marriage, are you hanging with people with good marriages? If you want to be stronger financially, are you hanging with people who are stronger financially and, and doing things like signing up for FPU in your Quest app right now? That's another promotion. You can pull out your app. I don't mind to do that at the moment. Do you want to be stronger spiritually? Are you hanging with people who are more passionate and more mature in their faith than you are? Do you want to be in better shape? Well, are you hanging with people who can never miss a hot light at Krispy Kreme? (laughs) So good. 
I don't think you could get sugar in your system faster by, you know, IVing it or, or whatever into your system. But, oh, but, but are you hanging with people who work out and eat healthy? You show me your friends and I will show you your future. Because you are on every area of your life the average probably of your five closest friends in your life. But then there's this tension as Christians that we often face in selecting friends because we read passages from Solomon and Paul who echo each other and they say this, for bad company corrupts good character. And do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered or you will learn their ways and get yourself ensnared, right? In other words, don't associate with people who are easily angered or fill in whatever into that blank, whatever sin you, you want to talk about right now, or you may become ensnared with the same sin and endanger your soul is what this text is telling us. So for many years, the Christian church, especially in America, has responded to this saying you shouldn't hang out with sinners, whatever that means to you. We're all sinners, but, but there's a definition that we try to put to that, right? And, and what this plays out for many of us as, as, as Christians, especially in the U.S., is that we separate ourselves from culture. And, and, and it even plays out in the way we think about raising our children. We tend to raise our children to stay away from kids who could corrupt them, whatever, whatever we define as that influence that would corrupt them because we don't want them to sin. We don't want them to fall. And in so doing, we actually make it harder for our children to learn to grow up and live like Jesus, about whom it also says in Matthew eleven nineteen that Jesus was a friend of sinners. And when you read that text, it says that with an exclamation point kind of intensity to it. There's such a tension here, isn't there, for us. So how can we make it work in a practical way in our lives? So first, we're going to, as we proceed, we're going to allow the Scripture to define for us what friendship really is. And then I'm going to propose you to, to you some scriptural ideas for how you build a great group of friends and how you think about this topic today. So first, what does the Scripture say as a good definition of friendship? What are you looking for in a friend? Well, Proverbs 17, the FBV version says, A friend is someone you may or may not know well who accepts your friend request on Facebook. This person is born to like and comment on your posts to make you feel good about yourself. And if you believe that's in the Bible, then you probably did a serious like and totally shared this next picture you're going to see on the screen. Okay, I know that's kind of old humor, but I still like that kind of humor. Is it okay to put that up there? I mean, there's a certainly a lot to like about social media. I especially love the humor that I can find on social media. Proverbs 17 actually reads this way. It says, a friend loves... At all times. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. One chapter later, Solomon says, and I'm sure he says this having learned it out of some painful experience in Proverbs 18. He says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And isn't it true we all long for that kind of enduring friendship, that kind of sticking closer than a brother type of lifetime friendship that sticks with us and loves us at all times, especially in the times where we're not doing so well, where we're not feeling like we're making much progress in life. Solomon says, 
another really important quality of a really good friend a few chapters later in Proverbs 27. He says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. In other words, true friends challenge us. True friends create friction in the relationship within that bond of enduring friendship. And in so doing, they help us grow. They help us become sharper and better as people. And isn't it true? It's really hard to get that kind of friend in our life. For those of you who are like me and you've moved a number of times because of career, you know it is so easy to find that friend and then lose it when you move. And it's hard to find that friend again each time you move. Because you can easily find friends who want to sharpen you and create positive friction, but who are not faithful and they leave you. And it's easy to find friends who love being around you, but they're often not willing. In fact, they're unwilling at times to be real enough to help you grow and create that friction in the relationship. But it's hard to find those friends who really stick with you, who really challenge you to grow, who love you at all times, not just when you're successful, not just when things are going easy, but even when you're arguing and it's difficult and you're hopeless and you're stuck in life. See, after a move, it often takes years and years and several tries to find that kind of friendship again in your life. And it's easy to become discouraged, especially if you suspect your career is going to move you again. But going through life resigned to not find that level of friendship is not a good way to live. On the other hand, some of you haven't moved all that much, and you've had the same friends for years, and and frankly, some of those friendships feel a little bit stuck and stagnant for you. They're not the kind of friends that are making you better. And some of you might actually think, well, you hear me talking about moving, that that, might, that sounds like an attractive idea, maybe a nice solution to just move and uproot and find to get a fresh start to try to find some new friends. In fact, one of the reasons people leave churches oftentimes is to try to get that fresh start, to try to find friendships. But I'm convinced, having watched hundreds, if not thousands of people make moves like that throughout the 35 years or so I've been in ministry, that it, it, it usually doesn't work. The move usually isn't the solution. In fact, most people who move churches to find that friendship last a few years in that new church only to leave and move again, trying to continue to find that and never do. There must be something more for us. And that more comes down to this. It comes down to being intentional in how you live in friendship. See, the Bible illustrates for us a a number of ways how to build a great group of friendships. And through these examples, I think we see at least three types of friends you need to have in your life. And the first type of friend is you need to have those friends who are beside you. These are kind of, when we think about friendship, these are the primary people we're thinking about. They're they're the ones that, that we see ourselves watching a football game with or playing games with or going out to eat with and having fun. And we need those types of people in our lives. That's what we want, right? And interestingly enough, we see Jesus building this kind of friendship into the very core of his inner discipleship ring around him. Of the 12 disciples who were his inner core, most of them came from a small town of Capernaum. Peter and Andrew were brothers. They grew up in Capernaum. James and John grew up up there. They were four lifelong friends. In fact, they weren't just lifelong friends. They were business partners. 
See, we need friends in our life who are beside us in life, who we do life together, who we have fun together with, who we work together with, who we serve together with, and and we celebrate moments of life, and we just go through life with them. But let me propose a couple key questions for you to consider about this group of friends in your life right now in order for it to be really healthy. Are those friends in your life mutual? In other words, do they give as much as they take? I mean, I, certainly, there are, are, there's always going to be times in my life, in your life, where we're going to take more than we give. But over the course of years, is that, is that give and take mutual in our friendships? That's one question. Here's another question to consider if this group is healthy or not. Are they running in the direction you want to go in life? Or are they just kind of coasting? It's the same old, same old Because where your friends are headed directionally in their life is where your life will go as well. Another question, uh, maybe to even get at understanding better where our friend's direction is heading, maybe ask this question. What do your friends most look forward to in life? Is it the weekend? Is it the football game? Is it going out for drinks? Is their passion in life centered around entertainment? And is that what they generally are focused on living for in life? Here's another question to discern the direction of your friends. How passionate are your friends about personal growth? And where is that focus in their personal growth in their life? Are your friends intentionally pursuing growth as followers of Jesus? Are are they intentionally pursuing growth as uh, people in their work setting, as as leaders? Uh, Are they pursuing growth as friends and and challenging themselves to be better friends? Are they pursuing growth in their marriages or, or, or as parents? So when you get together with your friends... Are your friends not just having fun together with you? Are there also between those fun moments or interspersed in those fun moments times where they're talking about where they want to grow and and where you want to grow and what they're reading and asking for feedback from you in their lives? And another question, are you being that kind of friend in your friend network? Are you asking for feedback? Are you talking about the areas you're reading and growing and thinking about and listening to in order for you to grow? See, our mission is all about relationships and learning to grow in being followers of Jesus. But for most of us, our default in life is to settle into friendships that are comfortable, fun, easy fits, right? The reality is we naturally default to comfort, And we easily fall into habits of not being intentional in our growth. I think that's one of the main reasons why why I would assert that for the vast majority of us, we will not grow very much in our life and our relationships unless we're part of things like quest groups, small groups. Because we need a structured place that forces us to have some intentionality to our growth. Otherwise, we default to comfort and easy and fun in our lives. I was talking to one of our small group leaders this last week, and and I was really inspired by them uh, as they were talking about this because they said, you know, one of our, he said to me, one of my first small group experiences uh, was with a group of people that I was encouraged to join their group. And I walked into the room, and he said, if you would have looked at the people in the room, you would have said none of these people would ever be close friends with each other. They were so different from each other. 
And yet he stuck with the group, and it was one of the best group experiences he's ever had. See, we default to comfort. But we so often need people who are different than us to challenge us, challenge us to grow, which leads us to the next kind of friend we need in this friend group, the friends who are ahead of you, those friends in your, li- in your life who are pulling you forward in life. They are the examples in some way in their life that you want to aspire to be. Now, for some of us, maybe that was a teacher or a college professor or a successful relative, or maybe it was a fantastic business person who took interest in you early in your career and just believed in you when nobody else would believe in you and encouraged you and mentored you and opened doors for you. We see that kind of thing really vividly all throughout the Bible. We see it especially in in Samuel's relationship with David. David is just a young shepherd boy, and he's approached by the great prophet And he's anointed and he's mentored by this great prophet to become king one day. But I have to say that more often than not, these people who are ahead of us are also part of that friend group that's beside you in life. In fact, the best beside you friends who in your life are also the ones who in one or more areas of their life are ahead of you. And in, your, in one or more of your areas of life, you're ahead of them. And, and you challenge each other amid the fun to, be grow, to grow and to be better in who you are. We see this in the Apostle Paul's life, right? Paul is this rising star in Judaism of his day before he becomes a Christian. He's mentored by Gamaliel, the, the number one uh, discipler and leader within the Jewish community of the day. And, and at a young age, we see him among the most powerful leaders, Jewish leaders of the day. We see glimpses of this before he comes to Christ. And, and he's put on this fast track to be this promising leader of the future. And, and, and part of that fast track is he's given charge of soldiers he, and, he's, and he's given charge of creating and presenting and and arguing legal cases to convict people of being not just anti-Jew, that that wouldn't go very far in a Roman world, but anti-Rome because of their Christianity. And he's successful at it. He kills many and he imprisons many Christians unfairly, but he's successful at it. But one day Paul has this profound encounter with God. He has a vision of Jesus, and a miracle happens in his life, and Paul radically decides to follow Jesus and is quickly just as outspoken, intelligent, and persuasive and radical in his pursuit of Jesus and winning people to faith in Jesus as he was outspoken and intelligent and radical in his persecution of Christians. And Paul comes to Jerusalem. You see, that if you follow the story through, he comes to Jerusalem to get in touch with the inner core of disciples of Jesus who were there. But of course, they don't trust that he's truly converted. I mean, as far as they're concerned, this is just a ruse on his part to capture and kill them, so they avoid him. But who do we see? We see this guy named Barnabas. All of us need a Barnabas in our life. He comes along, he takes a risk on Paul, believes in him, opens the door for him, and Paul becomes one of the greatest leaders of the early church. In fact, if you look at Barnabas and Saul's relationship, or Paul's relationship, they're friends. They are as tight as tight can be. They spend years, maybe a decade or more, traveling together as friends, ministering side by side, living together, doing life together. And yet each one is ahead of the other in one way or another. And throughout their lifetime, if you follow them through Scripture, you see Barnabas pulling Paul along and Paul pulling Barnabas along both. Not without conflict. There's conflict. 
for the 10 years in my last job, there was a, a guy named Mike who was that in my life. I was a leadership development person over church planning and church growth for churches on the West Coast. He was one of the church planners I was uh, overseeing. And it grew to be a fantastic beside me relationship because while I was stronger in certain areas of my life than he was in administration and some conflict resolution areas, he was by far stronger than me in relating to 20-something people who were ultra, ultra liberal and far from God. And he himself was a Reagan conservative who built winsome relationships with as far left as you can come. And through him, he taught me how to relate to people who were radically different, so radically different that normally it's a deal breaker to even the possibility of having a friendship. And yet he learned to bridge that and he taught other people that. And God allowed me to open up some doors for him that allowed him to have greater influence in the church and eventually in politics as well. But here's the key question to know whether you have these kinds of people in your inner sphere of friendship. Are they pulling you in a positive direction of growth personally, spiritually, in your relationships? Or are they status quo? Or are they even taking you in a negative direction? You need people in your life who are pulling you, pushing you to go further, to be better. Truth is, while some of these friendships are people who are alongside you, there's also a category of friendship within this people ahead of you that you need. And they're not the people who are going to be your friends, as you would normally think. They're not going to, because they're busy. They don't have time for a lot of social interaction with you, but they're the people who are going to believe in you. They're going to be your friends, but you may only have a little bit of time with them once a month, maybe even just a couple times a year, but they believe in you. They're going to open doors with you, and they're going to speak honestly to you, and they're deeply committed to you. Who are those people in your life? Some of those types of people are going to cycle through your life a little, a little more frequently than others because they're going to be there for a specific area of growth for a specific time period, and then you're going to move on to somebody else in that role. And oftentimes, it's these friends who are ahead of you who are the only ones in your life who are willing to tell you the truth, even when it's difficult. We see this in King David. David committed adultery and murder. We all know that story if you've read the Old Testament and most of his close advisors were not willing to confront him, uh, especially if you are in a leadership position today. The higher you go up in leadership positions in your company or wherever you're at in life, the harder it is to find these types of friends. And the more critical it is, the more important it is that you have these types of friends in your life. And the prophet Nathan was this type of friend to David. He actually was not only brave enough to confront David, he was brave enough and wise enough to do a very direct confrontation of him and to do it in a way that won David over. So he knew David well, and he told David a story, and the story went like this. He said, so David, I need to tell you about someone. There was this rich man who had many, many sheep and a poor righteous man who had just one sheep. And one day the rich man had a really important guest come to him and, and, he, and he said to his servant, go take the poor man's sheep and kill it so that we might feast. And he said to David, was the rich man just in doing so? And of course King David said, no, absolutely not. In fact, King David was so angry at the injustice, he said, the guy must die. And then Nathan says to him, that rich man is you, King David. You have many wives, 
and you took in adultery the only wife of one of your poor, faithful servants, and then you had him killed. We need friends in our lives who can wisely and warmly be blunt with us, who know us well enough that they can be blunt with us in a way that we can receive it to save us from destruction and to help us grow. I've often said in the past, I have a master's degree in counseling, not because I was gifted, not because I was called to be a counselor, but because I needed people skills. And while there's a little bit of joke in there because that's not the only reason, there's also a lot of seriousness in that point because one of the most profound confrontations I ever had in my life was two of my closest friends and a mentor coming to me and saying, Ross, you have good intentions in your communication, but you're a jerk. You're blunt. You're hard. People can't hear you. You're alienating people. You're damaging your own relationships, and you're damaging your leadership. We need people who are ahead of us, who believe in you enough that they encourage you, they mentor you, they teach you, they're willing to speak directly and honestly to you about areas that are not easy and not fun to talk about, but necessary for your growth. Who are the friends in your life who make you better, who are ahead of you in one or more areas of their life? And then there's a third area of friendship, type of friendship that we need as well, and it's the friends who are behind you. And I know our first reaction to this is probably, doesn't, doesn't that seem wrong, like, like bad company corrupts good character, right? But God has wired us all with this need and with this privilege of investing in people who are behind you in some way in their lives those to whom you become that person who believes in them even when they don't believe in themselves. That you're coaching, you're loving, you're encouraging, you're teaching, you're exhorting them to be more than they are and believing in them. In one sense, there are actually two kinds of people in this category. One is a kind that we really like that's easy to be part of. And one is a kind that, well, they're not that fun and we just tend to avoid that. And some of us avoid it a lot. And yet it's critical for us to have both of these types of groups, even in this category here. The first kind is those people that you see as these are promising up-and-coming people, and you want to coach them and mentor them. You have experience you want to give to them. They're younger oftentimes, but not always younger. Sometimes they're older, and you have something really valuable to give that person, and you are further ahead in area. And I've got to tell you, there's no more wonderful feeling in life than being able to coach someone and encourage them and mentor them and, and watch them succeed. There's no better feeling in life. But then there's a second group of people that are more difficult. However you define it, you define them as people with significant needs who stretch your patience. The people in your life where change is slow and change is hard for them. And they're the people who may even demand a lot of your time and it's just really tiring and, and you give them time. But, even, but then there's sometimes you can't give them the time even though you've sacrificed a whole bunch. And, and they're the type of people who also become angry at you even after you've sacrificed. But if you can't give enough, they get angry at you, right? For some of you, this particular group of people is way out of balance in your life. You are the ultra-compassionate people. You are the great listeners, and you draw this type of friend to your life like flies to flypaper. And that flypaper stinks, and you don't like it. It wears you out, and you are out of balance 
in your life, in your relationships. And maybe what God's saying to you is this year you need to refresh your relationships by focusing on getting a few more friends beside you and a few more friends ahead of you and balancing yourself out in this. Shift the balance of your friend group. For others of you, you don't like this group and you don't have any time for them and you don't have them in your relationship. And maybe what you need to do this year to refresh your relationships is you need to actually go find some people like this that you can invest in. People who are going to challenge your patience and your grace. You might be thinking, I don't want sick people in my life. Well, Jesus says in Mark 2, he says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And Jesus is saying, I want you to spend time with sinners. I mean, we're all sinners, but we still have that definition of sinner who whoever is behind us and whoever annoys us and whoever we don't want to be around, whatever that definition is for you. They're the people who around you who you go, they're foolish. They're the people who are sick and corrupt and you don't want to be corrupted or tempted by them. Or, uh, but he wants you to be their friend. He wants you to, to help him save them, to bring healing to their life. And frankly, the only way you ever have a chance of growing in the grace that Jesus calls you to grow in is to have these type of people in your life that you befriend and that you love in this way. Jesus highlights this in Matthew 5 in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? If you greet, spend time with, only only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? And what he's saying then is be perfect. Be perfect in the love that he shows us, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect in pursuing you and I, even though we are so far away from him. And it requires so much patience on his part. See, only when you love and you pursue friendships, even with those you hate, even with those who hate you, with those who try your patience, do you ever learn to love and live like Jesus. You need this kind of friend in your life, and you need to be this kind of friend to someone. This kind of friend you also need to have in your life for another very practical reason. And it's because at some point, for many of you, you will grow to this point where the only way for you to continue to grow is for you to learn to be a mentor and a teacher to other people. I mean, you may learn to do something really well. You may have mastered an area of your life and, 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 and not be morally falling as easily in a certain area of your life. But until you learn to teach other people who are different than you to also find that same victory and healing in your life and wisdom in their, in, in their lives, you don't really know and you don't really grow at the level God wants. You see, it's so easy to become insulated in our friendships to avoid friendships who are ahead of us because they challenge us too much, to avoid friendships that are behind us because they take too much and it's tiring and it's difficult. But we need both of those kinds of friendship in our life. 
And we can also become insulated in our friendships because it's so easy to fill our lives only with Christian friends, people who believe and think like us. And when that happens, your faith, I guarantee it, your faith and your friendships will become stale. Your life will become stale eventually because we disconnect ourselves when we do that. We disconnect ourselves from the place where God's greatest passion resides to seek and to save the lost, to heal the sick, to save the spiritually dead, to love those who hate you and win them over in such a winsome way that they become our friends and they become friends of Jesus as well. So as we enter the Lenten season this year, which is the next six weeks as we get up to ready to celebrate Easter, we're again encouraging you to take a leap of faith. And you should have received cards on the way in. If you didn't, you can get them on the outside. Worship team, you can come on and get ready. Why do we call our Lenten season the leap of faith? It's because we want this to be a time of, of, of reassessing and allowing God to bring clarity about who he wants to be in your life and the good he wants to bring through your life during this time. So we encourage you to press in, believing God for more and, and taking some specific actions, specific leaps of faith to help you this year we're giving you, again, this card that has three things on it. We're going to just talk about one of them today. If you, want to, if you want to hear more about the other two, go ahead and join us for the Ash Wednesday service at 7 p.m. this week. But we want you to focus today on, uh, on the back, on the left column. It's got this listing for my five. And what I want you to do is if you already have your five identified, and you know what I'm talking about in that, then I just want you to write those down. And I want you to put this card along with whatever you put to the other questions, maybe on the mirror of your bathroom or maybe on the dash of your car or, uh, or maybe in your Bible that you open up every day and use it as the bookmark so that you pray about this card every morning and evening throughout Lent. Uh, for those of you who don't know what a five is, uh, what we want you to do here is we want you to have five people in your life who you have regular contact with, which means more than likely they're local, so you have regular contact with them, right? And these people are people who aren't convinced of their faith in Jesus. And they're not sure about following him at all. Maybe they're connected to a church, but they're not sure. Or maybe they're not connected to a church at all. Or they're people who are disconnected from the church and not really actively, intentionally pursuing growth in their faith right now. So maybe disillusioned with the church. And we want you to have five people that you're praying for regularly, asking God, would you give me opportunities to care? Would you show me how to pray? Would you help me build the kind of friendship with them where we can have a non-defensive, warm conversation about faith because we trust each other, because we know each other, because we're that kind of friend to each other? And ask for God to open that up for you during this season. Don't assume that these friends are going to be behind you because the reality is some of your five are probably people who are in that ahead of you group. There are people at work or friends that you've had, mentors for, that you've had for years who are pulling you forward in so many areas of your life, but, but you have something in faith and care to depart, impart in their life. Or they may be friends beside you who you just fantastic friends. You spur each one another on. You're, you're making each other be better, better people at work and better people in your home life. Uh, but, but you have something you can share with them to encourage their faith. And some of them might be the people who are behind you, living in circumstances that have left them more broken than you in some areas. And you get the opportunity to show 
his patience and his love and his kindness and believe in them when no one else will and stick by them closer than a brother when no one else will. So would you join me in that for this Lenten season by taking that and praying like that and looking for God to do stuff. Let's let's just stand as we close. Lord, thank you so much for your presence here. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to receive our worship now, and I pray, Lord, that as we go today, that you would help us identify the people that you want us to care for, and that, Lord, that you would make this year, not just with our five, but in all of our relationships, Lord, that you would make our relationships so much deeper and satisfying and, and and spurring us on to growth and and meaningful in how we can impact and find the joy of impacting positively other people's lives. That this year, Lord, for all of us would be just a fantastic year in our friendships. Lord, lead us into that, that we can see your good work through each one of us this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you continue to worship? Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you are loving Quest podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information about Quest, who we are and what we do, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org.